I will be your witness as you live in me. Do you realize this? That God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit indwells every born again believer and we have the opportunity to display to the world a transformed life. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Him in prayer tonight. Our Father, we thank You for the song that we've just sung and for the message of it. And I pray that tonight you might take from Your Word the specific direction that we each need and that we might be directed by the Spirit of God to be on fire for You, a flame for the things of God in an uncertain world. Lord, we're certain of so many good things. I pray, Lord, that we might stand for the truth in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us tonight. And we are Central Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Brad Winnegar. This is our usual, our regular uh, scheduled midweek service, April 1st, 2020. God has been blessing. There are so many blessings, and we're going to be sharing those uh, after we uh, go offline. We're going to have our time of praise, as we always do, and our time of prayer requests, and uh, bombarding, hev bombarding heaven with uh, prayer requests because we know that God hears and He answers prayers. Thank you for your faithful support. Today we went to uh, our mailbox and Retrieve the mail, and many of you have sent your tithes and offerings in. Thank you. I just want to remind the rest of you, if you haven't done so yet, you still have an opportunity, and God blesses faithfulness in this area. Thank you so very much. Welcome to the Midweek Bible Study. We've been in the book of Galatians. Take your Bible, and we believe that the King James Bible is the inspired and preserved Word of God for the English-speaking world. We believe there are no mistakes in this uh, Bible. We believe that it is the very Word of God, God breathed, and that uh, God helping us, we're going to obey it. Now we're in the book of Galatians. Paul has written by inspiration, and he is writing to the churches of what is now southern Turkey. In that day, this region was known as Galatia, and those churches, made up primarily of Gentiles, had been visited by Judaizers, that is, those who said that Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become saved. That is Galatianism. And Galatianism was rampant in that day and is rampant today. In that day, they made Paul uh, appear to be the wrong teacher and they the right teacher. But Paul exposed them for being false teachers, false prophets, adding to the simplicity that is in Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No matter, no matter what happens, no matter what goes down in this world, the plan of salvation never changes. It's still by simply placing our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you've been hearing anything else, from your preacher or your church, then that is false teaching. That is wrong. We need to get it right. We need to understand. But uh, Paul is recalling an incident in the second chapter of Galatians, beginning at verse number 11. And this is going to be the basis for our teaching and preaching tonight. 
He says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, the Jews, in other words. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation, with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now this, this is compelling logic. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord, that we've got the, the word of God to teach us and the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. We pray now that you'll do just that. We thank you for the truth of justification by faith alone in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a portion of a verse which I would like to use as the title of what we're going to be saying tonight from Galatians chapter 2. Now, the portion of the verse is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In chapter 4 and verse 15, he begins that verse by saying, but speaking the truth in love. But speaking the truth in love. There are many messages going out. There are many words being spoken. There's much being said or written on many subjects, but everything needs to be weighed alongside the Word of God. The Word of God, of course, is our final authority. Now, I'm not going to ask you the question, what is your final authority? Because I am more specific than that. We at Central Baptist Church believe in asking the question this way, where is your final authority? You see, there are a whole crop of those who claim to be Bible believers, but they believe only in the inspiration and preservation of the truth in the originals, which, of course, do not exist. We have copies of copies of copies and translations of the same, and we believe in the miracle of preservation, whereby we hold in our hands the very words of God in our language. And for that reason, when I ask the question, where is your final authority? The answer should be, I'm holding my final authority in my very hands. How about you? Are you holding your final authority in your very hands? How many of you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, the one that you're holding in your hands? I do, and I believe that it's this Bible that the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth with. I believe that is the source of all truth. Paul was willing to stand for the truth, but he spoke the truth plainly in love. Tonight, I take the phrase that we have used so often in the past. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. 
There is a, a great harm being perpetrated upon believers today with selective truth being taught. It's almost as bad as teaching error to tell part of the truth. When you stand in a court of law and if jurisprudence, if justice is to be meted out as we witness uh, to what we know, to what we understand, we say, I solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And as we stand in the pulpit and we preach the word of God, we can't leave anything out. We need to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That was Paul's attitude, and it's catchy. We've caught it. It's what we desire to do, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We need to be transparent. We need to be bold without being nasty, without having a bad attitude. There's a balance of moderation that can be maintained as we speak the truth in love and as we tell it like it is. We have already seen in Galatians chapter 2 that some real spiritual heavyweights were present at the Jerusalem council. We have not only the Apostle Paul, but we also have Barnabas, and we have James and Cephas, who is Peter, and, uh, and John. And these are spiritual weights. These spiritual heavyweights were known throughout the Christian world in their day. But Paul finds himself at odds with Peter, and it is over the matter of Peter's inconsistency. His inconsistency. Now, Peter was flawed just like I am flawed, just like you are flawed. Every human being, other than our Savior Jesus Christ, we possess a sin nature and we exercise it from time to time. And sadly, we have to uh, go to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from uh, all unrighteousness. Uh, James tells us that we should confess our faults. Now, that's not our sins. And if you are in a religious system that says you confess your sins to a clergyman, that's a false system. We confess our faults. That is, we have a flaw in our character. Our sins we confess to God. He's the one that hears our confession. In this case, as it is being recorded and, and recounted by Paul, they met up in Antioch. I want to say just a word about Antioch. It's the church located there at Antioch where they were first called Christians. Antioch is a tremendous, tremendous example of aggressive, soul-winning, evangelizing Christians who are true to the Word of God. Antioch was the location through which the manuscripts, which were not uh, altered or corrupted, came. And today, I'm holding in my hands an Antioch Bible. Now, it's a King James Bible, but it's, it's in that stream of Byzantine manuscripts we know as Antioch Bibles, not the Egyptian, Alexandrian, corrupted texts of origin and others, uh, intentionally corrupted by them, removing the deity of Christ, removing the virgin birth, removing the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. So we want to keep things clear. So Antioch was a great church. When the apostle... Paul confronts the Apostle Peter about his inconsistency, his hypocrisy. He takes it to the right place. Thank God for the local church. We believe in and preach the primacy of the local church. 
Thank God for a church like Antioch, which was a soul-winning church, a Bible-believing church. So he takes it to the right place to settle the difference. And he does it in the right way. He goes toe-to-toe with Peter without a bad attitude, but with the truth in hand. This is important. Truth is always the issue. The propagation of the truth is the issue. And we need to not only believe it and espouse it, but live it. Amen. Amen. So when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. It wasn't behind his back. It was to his face. And it wasn't with a bad attitude. It was just stating the facts. For before that certain came from James. Now these are individuals who are are name dropping James, who is the half-brother of Jesus Christ and the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, as we saw in Acts chapter 15. So they came from James. They, they were dropping James's name, and uh, that carried some weight. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, and fearing them which were of the circumcision. This is a, a designation for those that were Jewish and those that leaned towards uh, Judaizing as uh, the Judaizers who came Uh, to Galatia and had spread their false doctrine were wont to do. And other Jews dissembled likewise with him. So this shows the importance of influence. Are you listening to me? Everybody here has a testimony. Whether you recognize it or define it, you have one and so have I. We all have influence. And uh, this has been Uh, described by one famous writer uh, as, well, John Maxwell wrote and said, leadership is influence. Influence is leadership. And so here we have influence. Now, in this case, influence was being exercised toward error. The other Jews dissembled likewise with them insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So their influence pulled Barnabas away from his solid grounding in the simplicity that was in Christ. And so they're confused. Have you ever gotten uh, some literature or been given a presentation perhaps by a cult member or a false religionist that got you confused and it sounded so good? It sounded so good. Let me tell you what the answer is. Get away from that influence. Open up your Bible. Get away from that writing. Get away from that book. Get away from that publication. Get away from that broadcast. Whatever it is that sounds so good, if it doesn't measure up according to the Word of God. You say, but he looks so sincere. He sounds so good. Anybody can look good and sound sincere. The point is, can they line up with the Word of God word for word? That's the important thing. So Barnabas was drawn away. And this reminds me of the personality cults of the 1960s and 70s when I was a young preacher, even in Christianity, even in fundamentalism, some of you that are listening will remember, and I'm not going to call any names or name any uh, institutions or churches, but there were great influential pastors, evangelists, uh, college leaders and educators that had their following. And this is a natural thing. It is a natural thing for people to admire perhaps the the character, the teaching, uh, perhaps the mannerisms of certain leaders and to be drawn to them. 
It's like a magnet. And when they're drawn to them, there is a danger in being swept up in almost a personality cult. Even when we claim to be Bible believers or fundamentalists, I saw it with my own eyes. I was there. I experienced it in the 1960s and the 1970s. I can recall churches splitting, dividing. I can recall schools, uh, educational institutions splitting, dividing over personality cults. In some cases, there may have been uh, some issues, but usually they would divide over personality or leadership lines. People gravitate to other people whom they admire. I remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, and, uh, and throughout uh, uh, the first chapter, the first three chapters rather, 1 Corinthians, I remember the schisms that were written about, the divisions that were written about, and how uh, Paul said, some said they were of Paul and some of Apollos and some of Peter, and then some were really hyper-spiritual. They said, oh, I'm of Christ. I'm of Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. And we all want to be Jesus followers, obviously. But in Proverbs chapter 6, we read about those things that are hateful to God. But the thing that is the abomination in the eyes of God are those who sow discord among the brethren. We need to be very careful to never become part of that. This is why over the years as we have uh, taught and mentored a number of other preachers, and they've come along in the faith, and we've had Bible Institute training, and we've, we've uh, taught them, and we've uh, licensed and ordained a number of preachers over the years. I've told each and every one of them that it is not God's will for them to become a clone of me. It's not God's will for them to become a little reflector of me, but rather of Jesus Christ, to have the Spirit of Christ and, and to be the very best that they can be for God. Now, I'm just telling it like it is. Uh, Paul and I agree on that. I'm just telling it like it is. If you have seen preachers or churches become reflections of other larger churches, more influential preachers, then be careful, be cautious. You might want to back away, take a second look and pray about it because when the, when the, the tough times come, when the rough times come, many times instead of going to God or going to Jesus, they'll go to their, to their leader that they admire and, and they'll, they'll uh, relapse again and again into that personality cult. God help us and keep us from that. So Paul says in verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Now that is the measure. That's it. The truth of the gospel. Christ died, was buried, and rose again according to the Scriptures. And that is what is required for our salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved when we believe and we receive Jesus Christ. In that moment, uh, we are giving ourselves, we're yielding, we're trusting, we are repenting, we're turning from the old to the new. This is uh, all salvation in an instant, in a moment. And anything else that, that sounds like a process... Anything that sounds like steps that have to be taken to be saved, those, those are false teachings. Salvation happens in an instant, in a moment's time when a person looks to Christ. They look to Jesus Christ. It's very simple. And faith and repentance come from God. They're commanded, of course, but they come from God. Paul was seeing that they walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel.
It was though they were being drawn in two directions, tugged in two directions. I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? And that makes good sense. There it is. Paul confronted Peter. He was not uh, shy because of Peter's relative position, his importance. And this also proves that Peter was not a pope as one branch of religion claims, but he is as we are, human, fallible, great, great man of God, yes. And Paul is God's man. Peter is God's man. We all differ. But you can't have double standards. You've got to believe, know what you know, stand for it, and remember, no matter what, none of these things that you believe strongly in in any way affect or change the simple plan of salvation. This passage of Scripture that we're looking at tonight is good for anybody who drifts in any way because it's very easy to get away from the simple basic truth, isn't it? If uh, we've seen this, uh, there was a, a very lovely a senior uh, elderly couple that uh, moved away from a former ministry and they had been gone uh, to a retirement area for about six months. And in speaking with them on the phone long distance, discovered that they had already drifted away from their spiritual moorings. Uh, oh, they had a, a nice social gathering for their church. Uh, they, they had some nice things. Uh, they had a well-spoken pastor, but the sharp edge of the truth was no longer sharp with them because they had been under the influence of that which was now dull. And God help us and God keep us from that. It's very easy for us to drift. Who we listen to, who we read, who we watch, who we're influenced by is going to make a difference in where we are and what kind of stand we take in the future. Be very, very, very careful. Influence can be extended in so many different ways. And so uh, we're justified by faith alone, period. Nothing added to it, nothing taken from it. And so be careful. Be careful about uh, inconsistency. There's so much of it in the religious world, and this leads to uh, confusion. And a system, uh, a system can cause it. What do you mean, preacher? Well, if we start to make a system, a religious system or a system of thought, person says, I ascribe to the fill-in-the-blank system. I ascribe to the whatever belief system, the organization or the categorizing under such and so, a certain heading or certain name. And everything goes through that filter. So what they believe about any other subject goes through that filter first. Be very, very careful. The Bible is the, the only source. We don't put another filter on the Bible, some system or some set of ideas. People will do that. They'll say, well, according to, and we have to say, you know what? According to the person that you're just saying, according to that system, according to that commentary or that group of books or those writings or what you've been trained in, there are some good ideas there that line up with the Word of God. But everything has to be tried or tested. Try the spirits to see if they are of God, John says. And we need to continue to do that. You don't have to undergo 
a Jewish ritual first to become a Christian. You don't have to make yourself subject to the law, the writings of Moses, to become a Christian. I've known people that have been led to Christ that never heard one verse of, of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, before they got saved. Now, after they got saved, they believed that Moses wrote it by inspiration because Jesus said that, and they believe every word of it is inspired. But you can be saved without ever knowing any of the writings of Moses by inspiration. Uh, you don't have to adopt the ceremonies or the rituals of any religious organization or order, uh, Jewish or otherwise, in order to be saved. You just have to know Jesus Christ. And you don't have to practice the rules and the regulations of religion that, uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, observe certain laws of diet or of days to observe uh, uh, and um, observe certain uh, prohibitions. You don't have to do that to be saved or stay saved. You are saved by grace through faith. It's through Jesus Christ. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, observe the Old Testament idea of separating from Gentiles because the Gentiles were considered to be Pagan, they were considered to be unclean. They were called the goyim. They were considered to be the equivalent of, of animals. They were uh, unclean. And, uh, and that, of course, all changed with Jesus Christ and praise the Lord. So, initially, Peter sat down, gave fellowship to saved Gentiles. But when the Jews showed up, he suddenly withdrew himself. I can see him hopping up and pretending that he wasn't doing that. But that was hypocrisy. Watch out for hypocrisy. Watch out for inconsistency. And be prepared for someone like the Apostle Paul to come along and say, Gotcha. Gotcha. That's going to happen. How can we keep from becoming inconsistent? The way we can keep from becoming inconsistent is to be in the Word of God every day. Thank God that are joining us on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and other social media. And uh, we have devotions every morning starting at 6 a.m. And praise the Lord. And you have your own devotions. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. The Word of God. And as we pray... Holy Spirit, you alone are going to teach me. Now, the preacher may preach and may have some teaching going on, but the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you, who plants it in your heart and in your life. So read your Bible. Read your Bible. Good books, good devotionals. There's nothing wrong with that. YouTube, nothing wrong with, with good Bible teaching, Bible preaching. Nothing wrong with that. But when everything's said and done... Get alone with God, you and your Bible, and the, the Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth. And then be open to ask the question, Lord, is there any area of inconsistency or hypocrisy in my life? Show me wherein pride lies. Show me where there's sin. Reveal that sin. Reveal whatever it is that's obstructing. Reve reveal where I've gotten off track. Lord, I want to stay, go right on down the middle. I mean, I want to be right on, Lord. Help me to be right. And if we don't do that, there's always the danger that otherwise good influence may draw us one way or another uh, from where we ought to be. We need to be so very careful. 
I'll, I'll go so far as to say this. I am your pastor. I'm your preacher. I'm your friend. I'm your brother in Christ. But if it comes down to something I say or what the Spirit of God is saying clearly through the Word of God, listen, you, you go with the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit is saying. Amen and amen. All right. Amen. So any kind of pride, in this case, prejudice. And I, I'm reminded that, that uh, was a Jane Austen wrote Pride and Prejudice from the 1800s, the, the, uh, the story of, of people that couldn't get together because they're too proud or too prejudiced. And you know what? It is possible for believers to be divided by pride and by prejudice. Oh, I, I just, uh, I look at that and I think about that and I say to myself, how many wonderful opportunities for us to serve God together ha have been uh, bypassed because of pride and because of prejudice when it comes to our dealing with other people. Uh, turn in your Bible to the 143rd Psalm. And it says in verse number one, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me and in thy righteousness, and enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Now, what on earth does that mean? What that means is that there is no human instrument of justification. Whether it is a religious system, or whether it is our own efforts, we cannot justify ourselves. Everything in a religious system that says you can be right with God if you do this, if you, if you get in line with this religious uh, pattern, if you, if you do this thing or these things, you'll be right with God. That's wrong. That's self-righteousness. That's self-justification. And it's wrong. You cannot, by works, be justified before God. If, if, uh, if that were possible, then any and every religion that's sincere uh, somehow could work up enough favor with God that man would be justified. But there is no uh, religious uh, organization, there is no human effort that will ever satisfy the righteous requirements of God. Righteousness is alone reserved for those who trust in Jesus Christ. All right, here it is. Here it is. The gospel of Jesus Christ reveals our sinful state. But faith in Christ is God's righteousness. Faith in Christ is God's righteousness. The only righteousness that makes any person acceptable to God. Say, preacher, is that the absolute truth? That is the absolute truth. Christ didn't make us sinners. The gospel reveals that Christ is the answer for our sin problem. And His finished work is all we need to be justified before God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And if tonight you realize that you've never been saved. You've never trusted in the righteousness that is in Christ. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, for whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you simply trust Christ as your Savior? Just pray from your heart to God right now, something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean it? If you did, slip your hand up. Anyone at all? Bless you.